Hello and welcome to episode 50 of Labor Pains Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. This podcast is a place where I strive to help women and men that are experiencing struggles with infertility or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy. I have guests come on and they share their stories about their struggles of infertility or the loss that they may have experienced. We also talk about where they have found support and also about the journey of grief that they may have experienced. The guest and I are always very, very committed to help you so that you don't feel so alone on your journey, that you're not blaming yourself through all of the struggles and the heartaches. The guests always share so much from their heart. They are such an encouragement to me to continue on this journey to help others. They give great words of advice and encouragement. So I always encourage you to listen to the very end where we kind of summarize all of that to help you on your journey. My guest today, Laana, amazing. She had a very rare um, diagnosis that she was given. And she has just become and is and was then an amazing woman. But she is the founder of Hope Still Standing. She is a woman advocate. She is a fashion model. She's a writer and a motivational speaker. She had struggled for eight years, the first eight years of her marriage with infertility, but now is a mom. And she will talk to you about that. But other things that she does is she is created a movement through public speaking on several podcasts, radio broadcasts, and conferences to be a beacon of hope for the voiceless. Because you will hear, she has found her voice through her journey which is amazing to me. She has also been published in several magazines and has received awards for sharing the story to inspire others. And I can't wait for you to, for her to inspire you. Hi, Anna. Hi, How Teresa. are you today? I'm good. How about good. you? Doing well. Yeah, it's a pretty name. Very Thank pretty you. Name. Thank you Very so much. So again, welcome to the podcast. And we always start with the same thing. Can you tell the listeners who you are? Yes, my name is Laanna Douglas. I am the founder of Hope Still Stands underscore LLC. And I am a happily married a wife to my husband. Tim for over 17 years to our daughter. I'm a mother to our daughter um, who is eight years old now. It took eight years to have her. Mm. And I'm so proud to be her mother. So proud to be her parents. Um, speaker, writer. And I just like to share my story to inspire others because I come from a dark place. Um, I come from a place of not knowing my own voice. So now that I do, it is my purpose. It is my goal. It is my dream to help as many women, help many children as I Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I am so, so glad that we have gotten connected because um, I love, like most women, love to be surrounded by other women that have such a desire or passion to help others. And that definitely sounds like you're one of those people that I want to surround myself with. So that's amazing. So you indicated that you have a daughter that and indicated that that was not an easy um, journey. So mm-hmm. big, mm-hmm. I would love for you to kind of share with us um, that journey. Yes. Um, my journey actually begins when I started my menstrual cycle. I started my menstrual mm-hmm. cycle when I was 10 years old. And mm. from that point, I would have horrible cycles, um, 
bleeding and when it when I would bleed it would just come out like water so I would you know have accidents in my clothes um accidents at school accidents in my bed and horrible cramping pelvic pain and not really understanding that this wasn't normal I thought this is what periods are supposed to be like so mm-hmm. um fast forward when I had my first pap smear at the age of 15 the doctor um, said that he couldn't see my cervix. So when he was telling my mom you know, and, and myself, we can't see your cervix, but there's no issue. She's a virgin. It's fine. So we didn't know that we should question it. We didn't know that we should do more research. He sent me for a second opinion. Hmm. So, um, and, and I, I didn't mention this. I was born with one kidney, jaundice, a liver infection. So and at that time, also, I had blood on my stomach. So the doctors told my parents, you know, she has one kidney. She's a very sick baby. Um, she may not survive, but I, I made it through that. So, wow. you know, yeah, yeah. right. So um, cervix, we weren't alerted. You know, it wasn't like something that we should seek a second opinion. We didn't understand what that meant. Mm-hmm. So yeah. going to work, I started working at the age of 19 and I remember one episode where I'm working at the cash register and have a line of customers and I had an accident. I mean, blood all down my pants, down my khakis. And oh. I had to back into one of the offices that was behind me. And I was so embarrassed um, and just ashamed. Like, why does this keep happening to me? Besides mm-hmm. going through the pain, you know, sometimes being asleep in my bed can hardly get up. I'm just so tired and I'm in so much pain. On top of that, I'm having these accidents. So soon I married uh, my husband, my, the love of my life. And mm-hmm. we, you know, enjoyed each other. And I explained to him that I have these issues with, you know, bad periods. And he was like, that's fine, you know. So within that first year, we talked about having a baby, you know, trying to get pregnant. In the back of my mind, you know, I guess I never really put two and two together that, you know, I've been having all these issues. Will I have a problem getting pregnant? Like I never thought of that. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably pretty, pretty fair to say, pretty common that, Mm -hmm. that you think, well, you know, you're having a very regular, you think, you think healthy, um, menstrual cycle. Right. Yeah. Right. So you just, I just didn't think that I would have any issues. Mm-hmm. I had the one kidney, but I didn't think there was going to be any problems. So we're trying, trying and trying, but I'm still on my right side, this horrible pain. And what I noticed in my teenage years, I would cramp for three to four days on my left side. And then three to four days later, I would cramp on my right side. So that kept on happening. Well, they said, well, hmm. you just, the doctors say you just have bad periods. You're just a girl that has bad periods. That's just, that's just how your cycle runs. Okay. I guess that's mm. what it is. You know, wow. this is normal. So yeah. I, I was still, now that I'm sexually active, it's worse. The pain has risen to an 11. I'm, oh. I'm in so much pain. I'm popping ibuprofen like Skittles. Like, I don't understand why I'm in so much pain. I remember sometimes my husband would be at um, working night shift and I would be crying so much on the phone with my parents because they would live down the street and they would come over. My mom would come over and she would warm um, wet towels in the microwave to make them scolding hot for her to lay it on my belly so that I could have a release of the, of the blood and from that pain. And when she would do that, all this blood would gush out. I'm like, why is this happening to me? What, what is going on? And so I finally went to my doctors. I was going to the doctors throughout that time, being rushed to the emergency room, but I went to a particular OBGYN and they said, um, you have a cyst on your ovary, on your, in your right ovary. And they were like, it's growing. You know, each time I would get a scan done, it's growing from a golf ball size to a size mm-hmm. of an orange to the size of a grapefruit. And so they sent me to have a hysterosalpiogram. Never heard of this. It's my Mm -hmm. first time doing this. And I asked for my husband to be in the appointment. So in in the history of Salpiogram, if any ladies out there have had this, it's not an easy, it's not a cakewalk. It's not an easy thing to do. They inject dye into your uterus. And so when they did this, I am screaming. Mm. 
it's so much pain. I, I, I was like, what is happening to me? And they expect me to turn my body to the left and turn it to the right. So the radiologist comes in and he shows me the scans and he said, ma'am, um, you only have half a uterus. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm coming here because you said there, they said there was a cyst on my right ovary. Now you're telling me I have half a uterus. I've never even heard of half a uterus. Like what, yeah. what does that mean? Right. I, I have no idea. And thank God during that time, I worked at the prenatal assessment center. So I left that appointment with my husband crying, wiping the tears away. And I said, baby, I know I'm off today, but please drive me to my job because this doesn't sit right. I don't feel right with what he said to me. This doesn't make sense. And I went into my, my job and I went to the doctor that was working. He was in between seeing patients, doing ultrasounds for women that are actually pregnant. And I said, sir, I know I'm not a patient here, but can you please look at my films? And I thank God for him. He put my films on the screen. He cut the light on. He says, you don't have half a uterus. You have two. Oh, I said, what, wow. what? Two uterus? Wait a minute. And it's like all these emotions kept came flooding in. All these years, I felt like I wasn't normal. All these years, I felt like, why am I? treated this way? Why am I going through this? Why am I going through this pain? You mean to tell me all of, all of my life, I had a double uterus. He says, mm. you need to do some research. He said, there's different types of um, uteruses. You can have a, a double uterus with a double cervix. He went through the whole thing. And I literally went home and got to work, did my research. And he says, you need to find a reproductive endocrinologist. I found my, and she says, we're have to do a thorough exam on you. It's not going to be easy, but you know, it's going to be very thorough. I said, please let my husband be in there with me. I'm going to be playing with you. She went vaginally and anally and mm. I'm screaming and crying and pulling my husband and grabbing his shirt. And I am about to explode or how much pain I was in. And she says, yes, we need to send you for surgery. You need to have laparoscopic surgery because you have something else going on besides a double uterus. And I went in for laparoscopic surgery and I was diagnosed with a diadoma, which is a double uterus and a double cervix, endometriosis, and three small fibroids. Holy I, cow, girl. Right. I, I There's no words to explain how I was like, this is what I've been trying. I'm having two periods, but no one was hearing me until oh, wow. I found this. So I, wow. yeah, I, it was just overwhelming, but I was like, focus. Okay. So now that we know what's next, well, we're going to remove this. We're going to do that. We're going to open your right cervix. So that right cyst, quote unquote, that they saw on my right side, that was my right uterus filling up with blood every month. Mm -hmm. And so my right cervix was closed. So when my right uterus would get to the capacity of, of how much it's filled, it couldn't, it's like a balloon. It couldn't take it anymore. So all that blood would rush down my legs like water. That's why that was happening to me. Oh, wow. So I... You know, she had to open my cervix and I had to work for a week. I think it was about a week or two weeks with a tube and a balloon hanging from my leg. I had to go to work every day to try to keep my right cervix open. And we started to take. I did those medications, Clomid, and she says, we can't do IUI for you. You do not qualify for IUI because you have a double uterus, double cervix. Clomid didn't work for us. So she said, you know what? Let's do IVF. Now, this is years. I'm saying this quickly, but this has been years. Past. Yeah. Yeah. Because is... I've mm -hmm. hold, hold that thought right there. Sure. <laughs> I have some questions. Sure. <laughs> Probably like anyone listening to this is like got questions. Sure. So all the pain mm -hmm. that you were experiencing, was it due to the double uterus? Was it due to all of those things? Um, the, um, the, the, the cysts, the fibroids, the, was it all of that? Or was the pain when you were really young because of the double uterus? I, when I was really young, the pain was because of the double uterus. I and that filling, that one uterus filling. Right. With blood. And that's 
where the pain came. Okay. Exactly. And then I also believe once I would have, you know, the blood is just sitting in my uterus, endometriosis started to form. Started. I was going to say that sounded like that in my head was like, that probably wasn't at the beginning, but Mm -hmm. that developed later. Okay. And then the fibroids probably developed a little later as well. Right. I believe that developed later. And then the doctor even said the reproductive endocrinologist, she said, don't worry about your fibroids. We're not going to focus on that. We're focusing on the endometriosis and opening that right cervix and getting you pregnant. That's what we're focusing on. So the fibroids, I kept that in the back of my mind. I was like, okay, I'm not even going to worry about that. So I don't want to, we got to touch on that later on in the story. Okay. Yeah. I kept that in the back of my mind. So when they go to, because you were at the point where it's like, okay, um, Clomid didn't work. IUI wasn't going to work for you. Now it's IVF is mm-hmm. the choice is what the doctor is recommending. Mm-hmm. How does that, how does that happen with two uteruses? And so can I, you become pregnant in both uteruses? Yes, ma'am. Ooh. Be twins technically. No. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And oof. Because I'm having two separate cycles. Yeah. So so then this is just my brain like going, whoa. Sure. Um, So then the cycles are different. So then possibly, this is what I'm thinking, cycles Mm -hmm. are different. So going into labor could be different. Exactly. Different time of... um, the pregnancy, I mean, different points of pregnancy. Right. So technically you'd be pregnant. This is, this is, this is interesting. Pregnant <laughs> in one uterus and then two months later, three months later, become pregnant mm-hmm. in the other. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Exactly. Wow. So that's, it's, yeah. What? So, so <laughs> To me, that seems like almost risky. It is. Okay. All right. It is very risky. Okay. All right. Just wanted to kind of, okay. All right. Sure. So we're doing IVF. Okay. Yes, I'll let you continue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I know. And Can you imagine? That just right. one. <laughs> okay. Right. I can't, I can't imagine. This is hard for me to imagine. Right. Guess what? You know, I was going to say, can you imagine, you know? No. Uh, you're asking the questions now, but can you imagine me find me and my husband? Like, wait a minute, huh? Wait, we go from a cyst on your ovary, and now you have a double uterus and a double cervix, and then now you're going to try IVF. What is IVF? We didn't know. We didn't know what in vitro fertilization was. We, you know. And she says, "Well, yeah, you only can get two eggs inseminated because you know we don't want you to get pregnant more with more than one child, so we're just going to do two. So it was just like, huh, it's overwhelming because you're not, I still didn't understand. Like in my mind, I didn't really, um, what do you want to say? Take it in. I didn't really comprehend all that. No, I I, I, I can't, I can't comprehend all that. So yeah, I definitely was like, how did you Mm -hmm. process all that? I'm sure it took some time, but it took a lot of time. (laughs) Whoa. Yeah. I was. I was smiling on the outside, but I was getting, starting to get really depressed. I started to feel like I, you know, having these um, thoughts of I'm not enough. Um, Mm. You're weird. You're abnormal. You're different. See all these years. See, this is what they, you know, because I was also bullied as a kid. So, oh, see, they said you were ugly and now your body is betraying you. So I was starting to have these feelings, but I'm smiling. I'm like, come on, let's go. Let's go to the next appointment. Okay, I'm going to Shady Grove. I'm getting my blood work done. I got to do this. So I was like a robot, but inside I was starting to feel less than, mm, you know, yeah. as, as a woman, especially at the time, my sister, my cousins, people at work, because like, like I said, I was working at prenatal assessment. They're getting pregnant. People yeah. are having babies left and right, no problem. And I'm in this dark place. My husband is like trying to, you know, he's cheering me on, encouraging me. And me, my husband was a rock star. Like I, I was like, move on. I was marry, marry somebody else. Crying his arms. Move on. 
Mm. And so I'm not going anywhere. And I'm like, are you crazy? I was so, I was so um, depressed. Yeah. You know, but then I would go to work and, or go to church and live life. Like everything was fine. Got to go to the next appointment. But inside I was really hurting. So going, going into IVF, him doing my injections and like, cause I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I was so scared. I'll be honest. Sure, sure. I mean, it's that's it's hard. It's intense. I mean, all of those shots and that Mm -hmm. programs and scheduling Mm -hmm. of every oof. It's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. And with you already so struggling so much already, Mm -hmm. you know. So you had that on top of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a lot. And so I um, went through that. I did my injections. I went to the appointments and get my blood work drawn. And then finally the, the day of the transfer. So we're so excited, you know, he brings me, drops me off in the front of the hospital. I walk in, he parks the car, we get, come in and said, we're going to do our transfer. But my reproductive endocrinologist said to me, make sure you tell them. So when you look at a clock, it says 12, three, six and nine right mm-hmm. yeah both of my cervixes are at nine o'clock they're not straight up and down they're over to the i guess that's the right on the right mm-hmm. so she said i already told him i already put in my notes that your cervix is at nine o'clock both of your cervixes but make sure you say this to them and i said it while i'm on the table my cervixes are at nine o'clock and he's doing it and i'm like this is kind of hurting what's going on and so he did the transfer so I still I don't know if it the embryo went into the right place I don't know and I never went back to ask so we we do the transfer and we're so excited and he says technically you're pregnant we'll we'll call you in a couple of days you know so they said you have to be home at three o'clock and we're gonna call you so my husband and I rushed home it was about maybe three to four days later or a week later I can't remember the time frame we get home, we're so excited and we're nestled, you know, nestling each other on, on the couch and just waiting. And, the, and she says, this is nurse so-and-so, um, Mr. and Mrs. Douglas, just want to let you know that your results are negative. I mm. screamed, I wailed, I was just screaming at the top of my lungs. I just dropped the phone and my husband took over the conversation. I was so angry. I, I was upset. I'm like, How? How, how, after all these years, after all, I did every, I went, I did all Mm -hmm. these surgeries, three laparoscopic surgeries. I took all these drugs. I went through all these MRIs and CAT scans. How, how that can we, can we now be in this despair? I was, and honestly, I was angry with God. I was angry with everyone. I was jealous. I was all these emotions wrapped into one. Wow. Mm. I, I just... I, my husband even was at a point he's like, I don't understand. I don't understand. I, I was just so fed up. So it was probably, it's been like six and a half, almost seven years. Um, and he was working night shift and I was in the kitchen and I remember looking at the butcher board and literally picking up each knife to see which one was sharp enough to cut my throat. Mm. That's how low, like I just I had given up. I was tired of not being enough, not being woman enough, not being normal. I was tired of the pain. I was still having horrible pain during my cycles. I was tired of those dark clouds of being sexually abused. It was just all those things just piled on top of each other. And it's like, now I can't give my husband a child. I can't get pregnant. Mm. It, It was one of the darkest moments of my life. Ooh, well, yeah, I understandably so understandably. Mm -hmm. So, so how did you get through that night? That night, thank God, I, you know, God said to me, hope still stands. Mm. Honestly, my middle name is hope. Sometimes we are given a gift. Sometimes we are given someone says something to us or your parent may have said something to you or prayed over you or whatever the case may be. And you don't understand it at the time I didn't understand what my parents named me Laanna Hope I never knew what hope meant I never really looked it up I never okay hope my middle name's hope what's your middle name hope and that's it 
why would they give me my that name? Why would they give me the mm. the name Hope? Sometimes we think, oh, we don't have a purpose. Our lives have a purpose. You just don't understand it at the time. But once you right. get through your situation, you'll see it after a while. And so Hope still stands. It was just resonated like, God, what do you mean still stands? Yeah, you're still standing. After all you've been through, yes, you're not a mother right now, but you're still standing. Mm. And so I put the knife back down. I, I put it back down in the butcher board. And I remember my husband coming a couple of days later and he, and he said, you know what? Let's just enjoy each other as a couple. Let's move on from having babies. Let's not even think about it. Let's just enjoy each other. And I said, okay. It was like a release for me. No yeah. pressure, you know, no pressure, no thinking of no judgment, no thinking about, you know, what the next appointment is going to be, the next injection. He said, just let's just move on from that. Let's just enjoy each other. And literally a year later, at eight years, I woke up. And I was like, hmm, I wonder where, you know, my husband is. I reached my arm to the left side. I still have my eyes closed and he's not in the bed. And I said, babe, are you, are you okay? He said, yeah, I woke up early. I'm downstairs. And I can see the light on. He was downstairs. I said, well, let me take a pregnancy test. I'm not going to tell him. I don't know why I woke up this day to do, take a pregnancy <sighs> test, but I just had the feeling, take it. And I said, I'll, I'll take the test. I'm not going to let him know. I'm just going to take it. If it's positive, eh, no, nah, it's not going to be positive. So I literally go in there, you know, do what I need to do on the stick. And I said, Anna, do not look at the stick until it gets to three minutes. You always look at it right away and you're disappointed, <laughs> you know, let it do what it's supposed to do. <laughs> you know? You're probably not the only one that does that. Right. <laughs> Like, I'm always staring at it as soon as after I pee at on it. And it's like, no, right. let it, you know. And so I turned and looked, and it had two lines. Mm. I said, what does that even mean? I've never seen two lines. So I'm like, what does that mean? So I'm screaming. My husband comes upstairs. What's wrong? What's wrong? I said, the pregnancy test says two lines. He looked at the box. He looked at the test. He said, babe, that means you're pregnant. I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I was like, like, that can't be <laughs> that can't be there's no way what, what do you mean I'm pregnant and so for me I have to call my mother to confirm everything like so I called my mom <laughs> and I said mommy it was early in the morning mommy the pregnancy test says positive she says I'm getting dressed so like, <laughs> we drove and picked her up drove to John Hopkins. I walked in there like I was a crazy person. I said, excuse me, I am high risk and I have a positive pregnancy test. I cut in front of everybody. I was so bad. And my husband and my mom <laughs> are on either side of me and they just say, yep, she, she's high risk. So what are you going to do? And so They were like, we wow. have no appointments. We have no appointments. So the next day they got me in for an ultrasound and there was a heartbeat. I was pregnant naturally after eight years. Oh, wow. <laughs> Miracles. 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 Mm -hmm. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so this popped in my head mm -hmm. and I'm like, ooh. So because we already talked about this, mm -hmm. that you could become pregnant in both uteruses, mm -hmm. then do you not um, have sexual intercourse after that? Because of that risk? That's I'm like, a good question. Okay, okay. Just, I threw it out there. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. But no, we still I'm did. Like, we still did. But the doctor okay. never said not to. But what you're saying is very true. I could get pregnant in both. My daughter, thank God, was pregnant. And she was in my left uterus. Okay. That left cervix was a good cervix. My right cervix was incompetent. So if Ooh. My right uterus, I would have had to got, um, get a cerclage. I would have been on bed yeah. rest the whole pregnancy. So thank God she was in my left uterus. So uh, what you're saying is very true, but we lived our lives. The doctor said, wow. just take your time. Be careful, you know, not to do a lot of exercising. And so we actually had her at 32 weeks and seven days. I did go into labor early. I had preeclampsia. Okay. And um, she was a very small baby. She was four pounds, five ounces. 
Mm. And, but the, the kicker is like you were saying, you know, being pregnant in one uterus and the other uterus. Okay. So they gave me my epidural. And so I kept saying, I can feel my left side, which where she was mm-hmm. my, so they said, we give your epidural, my left side is completely numb, but my right uterus is contracting. Cause I can feel the contractions, like separate contractions on my right side. I was in so much pain. Well, the epidural box was broken. So the anesthesiologist runs in, takes the, the box out, comes back and gives me a new anesthesia or a new. And all of a sudden the, the contractions on my right side stopped. So my left side was contracting and my right side was contracting at the same time, thinking it was pregnant as well. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness right. wow exactly <laughs> so yeah. did you deliver naturally or did I you have to have naturally. a okay yeah I did deliver naturally um she was in the NICU for two weeks they thought she was going to be in for about five weeks but for two weeks she was in the NICU and then she came home at five pounds four ounces wow she was a tiny thing yeah she was Wow. So now this just popped in my head as well. Mm-hmm. So is this something that is hereditary is, or is it just kind of something that, that happens to have the double uterus, double cervix? Is it something she, that could happens? She, could she possibly mm-hmm. have the same? It's just something that happens, but I did when I was pregnant with her, We had one of our ultrasounds where she was big enough that they could see organs. I said, do you see both of her kidneys? Mm. I kept saying, do you? And they said, yes, we see one kidney. And they did move the ultrasound probe. Yes, we see two kidneys. And I I was at ease. Like worried that she would have the same thing I have. So with having the two uterus Mm -hmm. then and two surveys, it's with with people that have that because it's very rare. They only typically have one kidney. Yes, the didelphus uterus is, is what I've seen from other women that I've met. I haven't met a lot, mm-hmm. um, or that I've read about. They usually only have one kidney as well. But there's bicornuate okay. uterus. There's unicornuate. There's so many different types. Hmm. Um, that's why I want to do. I don't know, create a support group or something for women that live with double uterus, women that live with half a uterus, women that have no uterus, because we need to do more research. We and Because we want young ladies to know some things about reproductive health when they're teenagers, when they're young women, because I don't want women to be caught off guard when it's time for them, when they're ready to have kids. I don't want them to be caught off guard like I was. Right. I don't want my daughter to be caught off guard, my nieces. I don't want them to be in shock. Like I never knew I had this issue all my life. Yeah. So um yeah, I want to know more. I want to hear more. I want to hear more women's stories dealing with double uteruses. And I've come to find also if you have a double uterus, double cervix, and a double vi- vagina or, or don't have a double vagina, you also have endometriosis. You also have fibroids. You also have PCOS. Like mm. all those things are connected and it's not talked about. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. That is a really, oh, that's taking on every, just about <laughs> everything. Right. Um, it's interesting that you said no uterus, um, half a uterus. Mm-hmm. Um, makes sense that those, those would be possibilities, but I have not at this point heard uh, anyone that I've been connected to so far with either of those, but Mm -hmm. just knowing that our bodies are all different right? and none of our bodies are really perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can see that that definitely happened. And obviously because you said it, it does happen. Right. I lived mm. it. I lived yeah. it. So yeah. I know that people are in shock when I tell them or they have perverted thoughts, especially um, for the young lady that I know that has a double vagina as well. She gets the perverted questions. You know, I get the perverted questions sometimes from, you know, or the, mm. the con- in the comments, if I talk about it, somebody may comment something perverted. And it's like, it's not about that. 
you know, have two women in one. That's not what it's about. No, Mm. you know, we need to raise our voices to create change for the future because there's going to be more young ladies that are going to be born this way. And they need to know what questions to ask and they need to not be afraid to ask those questions. Yeah. Well, and it's obvious because you you went back to when you started with your menstrual cycle Mm -hmm. that there were signs. Right. I'm assuming you you talked about all of those things because those were signs, I should say, Mm -hmm. to your what you eventually was diagnosed with. Exactly. Exactly. When I was a baby, um, when the doctors told my parents she has one kidney, jaundice, a liver infection and blood on her stomach. At that point, is there no, you know, they did test to keep me alive. They, they did everything to keep me alive. But what is next? I, I mean, you, you know, as a parent, you're, you don't know what questions to ask because you never experienced this. They had two right. other kids before me. They never experienced this. So um, blood on her stomach that when I, when I read my records, it's just like, you know, and, and hearing my dad's encounter because my mom um, at that time, she just had a baby. It was just overwhelming for her. But when my dad said, yeah, they said you have blood on your stomach. It's just, it's like amazing to me. I'm like, no one said, Hey, you need to go get a second opinion. You need to get this test done. Mm. So at age 15, we don't see her cervix. Why didn't you see my cervix? Because they're both at nine o'clock. That was interesting that you said that. And I'm like, oh, that mm-hmm. there's something too. why she said that. Right. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. is that um, common with with women that have two uteruses and two cervixes? Your diagnosis, which I can't say, um, for <laughs> to be to be to be hidden that you can't see the 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 cervix or or is that just how you you are i think Uh, this is how i am okay okay i haven't heard that's why i need to hear hopefully after this podcast more women will speak out more women will tell their testimony their stories their journeys because i don't know if other women have issues with their cervixes being you know crooked like um fast forward to now february I had um, on February uh, 25th of 2021, I had uh, a myomectomy hysteroscopy. So throughout this year of the COVID, you know, being home, teleworking, I started to have pain on my left side. So fast forward, the doctor said, you know, you have your fibroids actually have grown. They went from three centimeters and now there are seven centimeters, one is six centimeters and one, I think it was like five. And so they removed those my services because I'm still having, I was still having this pain in my cervix area. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it was just mind blowing to me, something that I kept in the back of my mind. And I, hopefully this is um, a lesson for all women what, look, if you have spoiled food in your refrigerator, do you let it stay there and spoil or do you mm-hmm. throw it out? You have fibroids, you have endometriosis. I'm not saying you have to have surgery, but why let it sit there? Why suffer in pain? Why suffer with that pain? Because like I said, if you have spoiled food, you don't just let it stay in your refrigerator. Mm, you don't yeah. let it stay in your cabinet. If your car's... Yeah you know, the engine's not working, you're going to go get a new engine. So why is it when it comes to women, you know, we don't take care of our reproductive health, we'll go get our hair done, go shopping, get our nails done, make sure the kids are okay, make sure husband's okay. But we don't take care of our bodies. Mm -hmm. That's a really, that's a really good statement. Because I think just like, you know, women, we feel Mm -hmm. that women are put on this earth to, to have children mm-hmm. and to be caregivers mm-hmm. um, of everyone. And mm-hmm. we don't, as a society of women, don't take care of ourselves. Right. Exactly. And, and we've all been on a plane, you know, and they say, put your oxygen mask on first. <laughs> exactly. but, but we as women don't take care of ourselves first so that exactly. we can be able to help others and take care of others Mm -hmm. and you're right that needs to change it does that needs to change Mm -hmm. 
So I'm glad that you for sure, um, I assume are speaking out about that and, and working towards speaking out on that, because I think that is much needed. Yes. <laughs> so we had previously talked, so I knew that you, um, what your diagnosis was. And I think I, I had told you at the time when we first talked that I was pretty sure that I had a sister-in-law mm-hmm. that had and since we talked the first time, I have found out that, yes, it sounds as if she has the exact same diagnosis as you. Now, I don't know if she had the fibroids, but she definitely has two uterus and two cervix. Wow. So I do want to connect the two of you mm-hmm. because I think you're right. Um, you need to, to be connected. And even do your own research to help others. Yes. Because um, the medical society can only do so much. But if if you, as as women that are experiencing this, can spread awareness as well, it's just going to help that help everyone quicker. Mm-hmm. In, in my in my opinion. Um, and so yes, I definitely want to connect the two of you. Um, and I say that because just the question I asked you, like she has two daughters, wow. you know, so is there the possibility, you know, of either one or both of them, you know, having the same diagnosis? I don't mm-hmm. know. So it's interesting. That's what I said about, you know, your daughter. Right. Um, so, yeah, even those questions, like those are things that, um, you as women could do that your own research. You could you could make sure that um, your daughters, when they go to the the doctor, mm-hmm. you know, for that first um, Pap smear or, mm-hmm. or whatever, that you really ask a lot of questions. Exactly. And have and have some um, additional testing or whatever needs to be done to make sure. That they don't go through the same thing that you've you've been through. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. I um, totally agree with you. <laughs> whew. This was this was um heavy. This was um definitely um an interesting conversation. Um I just had really, you know, like I said, my my sister-in-law, but just never really thought anything more about that wow. until we got connected. And it's like, ooh. This is an awareness that people definitely need to know about. Yes. Thank you. Uh, Yes. And I'm glad that you're on a mission to do that. And and I'm with you. I am with you on that mission. Thank you you so much. So, yeah. So anything else that you'd like to share about your, your journey that we missed? No, I think we covered Okay. Everything. I just do want to say, you know, yeah. to anyone out there, just don't give up on yourself. You know, no matter what stage in parenthood you are at, don't give up on who you are. You are special. And I know it can be hard going through, you know, infertility treatments and trying to be properly diagnosed and doctors not listening to you, but be your own advocate. Don't mm. be afraid to ask the right questions. You know, if you feel uneasy or you may forget something, write it down. Mm, And what I've been doing also is cutting my recorder on my phone and saying, I'm going to record you just in case if I forget anything, you know, you have to say, I'm going to record it if you don't mind. At least ask the question because we forget it's so much that's so overwhelming when you go to your appointments, but don't be afraid and, and just have the courage. I know it's hard, but you can do it. You can make it. I'm a witness that you can make Mm -hmm. it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love all that encouragement and advice. And and you're right. We do forget because Mm -hmm. we're processing something that was said Mm -hmm. and we're not hearing the rest that's being said. Right. Um, And, you know, I'm sure that's been very, very difficult for women, um, in 2020, Mm -hmm. um, where they couldn't have anyone with them. Right. Like you said, you wanted to make sure your husband was there, Mm -hmm. um, which is good. Always having that other person. But like you said, that recording, that's a great, 
great advice mm-hmm. as long as the doctor is willing exactly and, and they and they should be willing you know to do that mm-hmm. for sure so yeah that's great advice great encouragement any other uh advice or encouragement besides that anything else you can think of i kind of cut you off there sure and uh, most definitely when this is something i didn't do when i was going through this um now our daughter's eight years old so this would be 16 between i guess the first year to the eighth year of our you know marriage before Mm -hmm. we had our daughter i didn't know any support groups i didn't have anybody besides my family but like support groups women that were going through reproductive health issues like i was I didn't know anyone at the time. Now there's so many support groups, so many Facebook pages, private groups. They have, um, you know, Zoom calls and, you know, they have stuff that they post on YouTube. So please don't feel like you're alone. Besides your family and friends, reach out to them. Some people Mm -hmm. have some family members that don't want to hear their reproductive health problems. And I apologize for that, but prayerfully you have family and friends that will support you through your journey, but also try to find women that are going through what you're going through. It's, it's something different about when you find someone that can relate. When I Just this year, I connected to this young lady in the UK that has a double uterus, double cervix, and a double vagina. I cried. It was such like, finally, mm. like validation. Like I felt like I was the only one. And finally, I found someone that can understand what I've gone through, that's going through endometriosis and fibroids. So please reach out, try to find a support group. There's plenty. Don't, don't go through this by yourself. If you're going through IVF and surgeries, or if you just lost your baby, seek support. You know, for me, prayer was very helpful for me. There's so many support groups, so many prayer groups. Go out yeah. and do something. I know we're just now opening back up, but connect with old friends. You know, don't yeah. go through this alone. Oh my gosh. I am so glad that you brought that up. Um, absolutely. We all need to find support and be supportive. Mm-hmm. You know, even though you said some some family members or friends don't want to hear hear about it, but find those people that are willing to listen because yes. you need that support. Mm-hmm. desperately you need that support so make sure now at any point and I just thought of this did you I mean obviously you went through some depression did mm-hmm. you have grief along with your depression the grief of of wondering if you'd ever have children yes there was probably yes yeah oh yes ma'am I had that because I yeah. I just thought it would never happen Especially yeah. after doing the IVF, I was just, I was just, yeah. I thought yeah. it would never happen. So yes, most yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, this has been a very um, eye-opening um, mm-hmm. episode for me. And now I'm going to just dig deep into finding out more. Um, and I definitely am on a mission, you know, to help you find more women. Um, oh, thank you. You know, that have the same or similar diagnosis so that you can, if there's not a support group out for you guys, that you guys can create that. Right, right. Because it is, you know, like you said, pretty rare. So there's, have you, is there a support group out there specifically? I have not okay. seen okay. one. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's <laughs> let's pull them together. Let's exactly. find those people. We're going to put this podcast out, and and hopefully we get some connected. You know, and even this podcast could be very eye opening for some people, so that they ask questions mm-hmm. of their doctor. Could it possibly be right this or exactly. this? You know, exactly. so. I love that. I love that you shared all of that. So much information that you shared. So I so much, very much appreciate all of that. You taking the time today to share with me first off and to share with all of my listeners. Um, And I'm, um, I am supporting you on your mission in any way that I can. 
Oh, thank so you thank so you. much. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And I appreciate your platform and all that you were doing. So thank you so much. Oh, yes, you're welcome. Oh, wow. Thank you so, so much, Zulana, for coming on today to share your story. What a powerful story. What a journey you have been through. I have just been so inspired <clears throat> by you. I'm so glad that you're here with us. I'm so glad that you fought through all of the depression to now be, like you said, a beacon of hope, an advocate, a woman that inspires and encourages women to share their stories, their voices, and to speak for the voiceless. I am just in awe, and I'm excited to continue researching myself about the diagnosis, the two uteruses and two cervix and two vaginas, and those that have no were born with no uterus the journey that they probably have experienced and those with half of a uterus. These are all things that I was, I'll be honest, very uneducated on. And I hope that this episode has educated and inspired some of our listeners. So I thank you so, so much um, for sharing today. And listeners, thank you so much for taking time. Uh, to listen today. I hope it has inspired you. And I would like to first, if you have a story, I would love for you to connect with me. I would love to hear your story. I would love to hear about your journey and to help you through your journey. Second, that friends, family member, neighbor that you thought about. I would love to connect with them as well if they're struggling with infertility or loss. But I would like for you to share this episode with them to help them on their journey as well. And third, I would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and again, share this with someone that friend, family member, or coworker that you thought of. That is the most important thing that we get this podcast shared out to others so we can help them. Because my commitment really, truly is, and all of my guests, is to help those women and men that are struggling, that need support on their journey so that they're not feeling alone, blaming themselves, becoming depressed, so depressed like Laana to almost take their life. Let's all come together, connect me to them. I would love to support them. <laughs>